So this week we're going to be talking about the holy habits of worship. And I was so pumped when uh, Pastor Chase told me that I was going to talk about this because it's something I'm so passionate about. I'm not like per se a worship leader that's like up on the stage, um, but I just have a really deep love for worship. Um, I did two years of YOM, and if y'all know anything about YOM, they love to worship. It's like all they do, like all the time, 24-7 in a prayer room. Um, so it's just really been embedded deep into my heart. And so I'm just really passionate about it. And so, what is worship? Uh, the definition of worship in Google says adoration or devotion. But in the biblical sense, it encompasses all of who you are. It encompasses your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. And it's, it's to be directed towards the Lord. It's, it's unto the Lord. And so I believe, more than ever, I'm convinced of this, that beyond being, you know, first you are a child of God, you're a daughter, you're a son of God. But after that, I believe one of the most fundamental things about us that we were created to be are our worshipers. And I don't mean it from a sense of like, oh, you have to be up on a platform and, and this is how you worship. No, I'm talking about the core of who you are. You're created to worship something. So whether that's the Lord or that's something else, you're going to be worshiping something. Your attention, your adoration, your devotion, it's going to be directed unto something. And so my question tonight is, what is it directed towards? And you see it all throughout the Bible, how many times worship is mentioned. It is over and over again. Um, so I'm going to throw a couple verses at you. They're not going to be on the screen. You can write them down if you want to. Um, but I just wanted to show a couple, um, just a couple verses in, in Scripture because we are Bible people here, and we love Scripture, so we love things to be Bible-based. And so first one is Isaiah 43, 21. It's the Lord talking about his people, and what he says is that the people he formed for himself would be that they would proclaim his praise. Yeah. So when he created us, it was that we would proclaim his praise. And then throughout Psalms, and one specific one for you, Psalm 104, um, it talks about us entering into his presence with praise and thanksgiving. There's not another, it doesn't say another way that we enter. We enter in with praise and thanksgiving. We enter into his presence with worship. That's how we come into it. And all throughout Psalms and, and many other texts, you'll also see it. The phrase, and you'll probably have heard it, sing unto the Lord, sing a new song. Yeah. And that's not a suggestion. It's not a do you want to sing. It's a command. It's sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing to him who he is. Because I promise when you do that, something's going to begin to shift in you. Something is going to begin to shift in the atmosphere. And it's why it's a command. And then again, in uh, Revelation, you see that it's what we're going to end up doing for all eternity. We see that it's what they're doing right now in heaven. We see that it's what the elders are doing when they cast their crown. And we'll get to that scripture a little bit later because I love that scripture. Um, but you see it's what the saints are doing. It's what you see all of heaven doing is worshiping the king of kings. And it's what we're going to do for all of time to time. And that's Revelation 4 and 5. Um, but the reality is, is, is we were created to do that. But because we live in a fallen world, to, so often our worship turns to other things. Our attention and our adoration turns to other things. And in Romans 1.25, um, this is the Lord talking about us, or talking about Israel at the time, but um, it says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served. They worshipped and served created things rather than the creator. Yes. Meaning that what they exchanged the truth of was of who God was. So they exchanged that God was king, God was their savior, God was... God was God. There was no one before him. They traded that to say, oh, I can be my own God. Yes. Oh, I can, I can worship 
a, an idol made of gold, a calf made of gold. I can worship other things. I can worship money. I can worship a pharaoh. I can worship my career, my job. And we start to put these things on the throne of our heart and we say, oh, I can put these things, these created things before the creator himself. That's what sin does. That's what this fallen world does. That's what temptation all around us is trying to get us to do, is get God off of the throne of our hearts and get something else in its place. And it's, man, it's a counterfeit. And so whether you realize it or not, you are worshiping something right now in your life. You could be worshiping the Lord, and that is the best thing to do, or you could be worshiping money. You could have that fear and that control running your life. You could be worshiping a relationship. You could be putting your identity into somebody and say, I don't care what happens, I'm never letting go of this person, even if I feel like I should. Or man, if they say something about me, my, my identity is crushed. Man, you're putting that person as God over your life. And you're putting that you're putting your identity into that person. So whether you realize it or not, you are worshiping something. And so I want to answer some questions tonight um, about worship. And I want to give us a little extra time tonight to really get into worship. Because what is a sermon about worship without some more worship? So let's just dive right into this. So the main verse that will be up on the screen is Romans 12.1. And it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Yeah. And so before I dive into that, I want to clarify that when it talks about a living sacrifice, it is not the same sacrifice of Jesus coming down and paying the price for your sins. You are never going to be able to atone for your sins. That is what Jesus did, and it was final, and it was complete. Right. So what they're talking about here is not you saying, oh, you have to do a lot of good things, and then at the end of it all, you're going to have to sacrifice yourself to then atone for what you've done. That's not what the scripture is saying. The scripture is talking about the way that you live your life. It's talking about who you are, how you walk out your life. So I wanted to make that very clear, that Jesus is your own Savior. You are not your own Savior. You will never save yourself from sin, and thank God for that. Because we can never be perfect. So man, thank God for that. So then, my first question is, what does worship look like as a Christian? At its core, it's how we live our lives. And it is so much more than coming on a Sunday morning, than coming on a Thursday night and lifting our hands for 20 minutes. Now, is that important? Heck yes. Because we need to be an authentic community and we need to be worshiping with the body of Christ because there's something so special about that that I would never say not to do that. That is so important. But if you think that that is where worship ends, then you've got it wrong. Because God has so much more for you that, there, that worship continues when you leave those doors. Worship continues when the band stops playing. Worship is how you live your life. You are a living sacrifice. So what does that mean? It means it's continual. It means that it's, it's who you are, it's how you act. It means putting our worldly and our fleshly desires to death and saying, God, I want to look more like you. Yeah, Jesus, I want to look more like you. The way that you took up your cross, God, I want to take up my cross. Let myself die to myself. I want to look more like Jesus. That's what it means by being a living sacrifice, that every day you're waking up and saying, God, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of me. When you have a bad day or you have a bad attitude, God, more of you, less of me. 
when, when situations are on you, like, I don't know how I'm going to pay rent, but God, more of you, less of me. More of you, less of me when I see cancer in, my, in someone that I know. More of you and less of me. Because when you have more of God, you're going to see breakthrough, and you're going to see freedom, and you're going to see healing. And that's why there's more of God and less of us. It is continually saying, God, I died in my preferences. I died in my entitlements. I died in my rights. And I got to give you myself. Use me, God. I want to see your kingdom. And so don't get me wrong. Our hearts are what matters to the Lord. But I will also say that your hearts, your actions are a really good indicator of where your heart's at. So you can't really say, God, I give you my all. And then you turn around and you're doing some things in the dark that nobody knows about. That is a really good indicator of where your heart is at. And that, that's not the Lord wanting to, to put you into condemnation or to put you into shame. That's the Lord saying, hey, I've got more for you. I've got more for you than this bondage and, this, and these chains that are holding you. I've got more for you. He wants to bring you into the light and align your actions with where he wants your heart to be at. And so the beauty of it is that it's, it's not through perfection that we are a living sacrifice. It's not through, it's not through that. You know, we exist to display the glory of God. We exist to display the beauty of God, but it's not through perfection. It's through transformation. I love what Cody said, and I think it was such unity within the body of Christ, because it's exactly what I felt the Lord saying tonight, is that it's not, us living our lives is not about perfection. It's not about us doing all the good things, and, and us being living sacrifices. It's not, oh, we do everything right. It's our heart in it saying, God, transform me. Transform me through a process, through a refining process. And that is what displays the glory of God more than anything else. Not you being perfect, not you trying to go through life, not making a mistake. It's God transforming your life and transforming every aspect of who you are that is going to display his glory the best. Yeah. And so put it, putting it this way, the way we live our lives is supposed to be a living thank you to our Savior, boldly displayed for the world to see. That is how you live your life, is, is continually saying, God, how do I thank you? How do I show that I'm thankful that you set me free from depression? God, how do I show you that I'm thankful that you, that you have put joy into my life? How do I show that to everyone around me? Does that mean, do I need to go up to that person who who is sick and pray for them? Does that mean that I, that I see the barista and say, can I pray for you today? Uh, that might be a really weird question, but can I pray for you today? I believe that Jesus is real and he wants to show you his love. Like Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just saying, God, I give you my finances. This is how I want to thank you because I don't want to be my own God. I don't want anything to control me. So God, I give you that. And man, that process is the most beautiful and precious thing to the Lord. Because it's in the process that the dead thing comes alive. It's in the process where that beauty comes from the ashes. It's in the process. It's not an end goal. It's not, it's not perfection. It's the process that the Lord loves because it's a relationship. And so into the second question is why do I worship? Why do we worship? And so going back to that, um, going back to the verse, it says that it's in view of God's mercy. And so what does that mean? God's mercy was the cross. Jesus' mercy was, was him coming down to pay for our sins, coming to pay the price that we should have paid. That's his mercy. 
And so when I was when I was studying for this, it reminded, and I and I was thinking about the whole question of God, why do we do this? It reminds me of um, bond slaves in the Old Testament. It's in Deuteronomy where it talks about it, and you can look it up. But I'm so fascinated by that because I'll tell you what what they are. They're they're slaves that when it when it got to the point, this is in the Old Testament, that when it got to their point of their freedom, they instead chose to stay with their master out of love. It's a crazy thought to me. I'm like, why would you do that? But what they would do is they would go and they would, they would pierce their ear and it would be for the whole world to see uh-huh. that they were slave to their master out of love. Yeah. And so when you think about why we worship, man, it has to be a choice and it has to be a, a choice that stems from love, uh-huh. from an understanding of who God is, of man, God, you are so good that I want to worship you. Mm-hmm. You are so much better than anything I've ever seen the world try and offer me. You are so much better than the money I've tried chasing, than the people and the relationships I've tried chasing. You are so much better than that, that I want the whole world to see that I am worshiping you for all eternity. You are so worth my pride. You are so worth my ego. You are so worth me looking like a fool to everybody else that I'll come at the altar, I'll get on my knees, and I'll say, God, I'm worshiping you. Because you're worth it. Mm-hmm. And I just love that the, that the Bible displays so many examples of that. And, man, it has to be a choice. And it has to be out of love. Because anything else is religion. It's not relationship. And it has to be out of love. And one thing I really felt that I wanted to um, touch on tonight, and I couldn't get away from was um, sometimes we get distracted in worship, and that's totally okay. We're humans, and if you're anything like me, your brain is usually going like a million miles a minute. Like I'm like, okay, I gotta do this tomorrow, I gotta get by 6.30 tomorrow morning, so I gotta make a lunch, and I gotta make a breakfast, and I gotta do all these things, and like my brain just like goes, and like and then I'm like, okay, I'm literally standing here, my arms are raised, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in worship, let's go back. And I'm like, what did I just do for the last two minutes of my life? Like it just, it just tends to run. And I wanted to give even just a practical thing, but it's also such an, an emotional and a, and a spiritual um, practice and a discipline to put into practice. Is man, we need to take a minute to picture Jesus. Yep. And I'm not talking about you know the white dude with a little bit of like longer brown hair and like him, him tending sheep. That's not the Jesus I'm talking about. I'm talking about the real Jesus that came to earth and yeah. died on a cross for you. The real Jesus that is coming back. The real Jesus that right now, you can look up in Revelations 4 and 5, and this changed my life when somebody told me to do this. I think I actually read it in a book. Um, and, it, and it changed my life in worship because every time my mind started to wander, and I don't want you to get condemned by that because it's not a bad thing. It's okay. We're humans. It happens. We have a lot going on. But every time my mind starts to wander, I start to bring it back and I start to put a discipline into, no, I'm going to pay attention to Jesus. No, I'm going to pay attention to Jesus. No, I'm going to pay attention to him and worship him because it's for my good and for his glory. Oh yeah. And so we need to start to picture him, like really picture him. Like really, Jesus is sitting on a real throne right now. That throne is encircled by a rainbow of living color. There's a sea of glass before him like crystal. There are 24 elders continually throwing their crowns at the ground and saying, God, you're holy. Take my crowns. There are four living creatures that have eyes all around. They're staring at him. They have so many eyes just to stare at him, to catch a glimpse more of him. 
And every time they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, yeah. who was and is yeah, and is good. to come. Over and over again, they're singing, holy and holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yeah. This is the God that you're worshiping to. Yeah. This is Jesus, the real live Jesus, who's sitting on a throne, who is so... He cares so much about your life that he knows every single amount of hair on your head. He knows every single thing that's going on in your life. The things you're worried about, the things you care about, the dreams that are on your heart, the things you're like, I don't know if this is going to come to fruition. He's so invested in you. But this is who he is. He's a real God. He's a real man sitting on a real throne. So when you're worshiping, and even as, even as we're going to go back into worship later tonight, picture that Jesus. The one sitting on a real throne with a rainbow around his throne. And people continually, day and night, over and over and over again, just declaring how holy he is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. When you picture that God, I promise something is going is to begin to shift in you. You can't, honestly, when I do that every time, I can't help but get tears in my eyes. And I start saying, God, you're so real. I feel it in my spirit. I feel something shifting. Mm -hmm. You're so real. Yeah. When you worship from that place, you're going to begin to see things break. You're going to begin yeah. to see bondages break. When you picture that God. So that's why we worship him. Because of who he is. But because when we see who he really is, we begin to see, God, I can't help but love you. I can't help but worship you. There's literally no other response that I can have but to worship you when you're just that good, when you're just that beautiful, like that song was saying. Like when we talk about his beauty, that's what we're talking about. And you can try and picture his eyes and picture who he is, the real Jesus sitting on a real throne. Man, it'll change everything. So when we realize the why of worship, because of who he is, what he's done, we get to experience something so real and so tangible. And so that gets to my third point. My third question. What does that kind of worship bring? What does it do for us? What, what, is, what does worship do? Man, worship is a gift. Amen. Man, I can't imagine my life without worship. It, it just, it changes everything. It really does. And it's, it's so simple. It's relationship with him. It's just getting into his presence. Literally, if you don't even have any words to say, that's okay. You literally can just get on your knees and say, Jesus, that's worship. It doesn't have to be a fancy thing. You don't even have to follow along with the words on the screen. You can sing your own song. You can sing a spontaneous song of worship, which you'll sometimes hear them do, and just say, God, I want to sing my own song to you. I want to sing a new song unto the Lord. And I'm just so passionate about that. But getting back to this. So what, is, what does it do? Man, it allows heaven to invade earth. Yeah. It changes our perspective. It's our weapon. It brings nearness and awareness to our hearts of what the Lord is speaking and what he's doing. Yeah. It breathes relationship and it deepens intimacy with the Father. And it brings authenticity. Real worship like that allows you to be real with the Father and experience relationship with how it was meant to be in the garden. Real worship brings authenticity. And when you, you, look, at, you look at David and, and some of the psalms he wrote, I remember when I was going through the psalms a little while back, I was just so like, 
struck by how real David was. I was like, can you even say that to the Lord and not get like <laughs> smoted or smited? <laughs> I don't know. Like I was like, how are you not getting like, struck right now? Like you're like doubting, not doubting the Lord, but you're like, you know, you're questioning and you're wrestling with these things. And I was just like, man, I, I thought you could like, you know, some sort of lightning from heaven come down or something. Like I'm like, yeah. that's pretty, that's pretty bold. Like it's pretty raw. Yeah. But what I what I found through that, the Lord's like, no, like that's what I want. That's the worship I want. Because David wasn't coming out, out of out of a place of, of anger, of saying, like, God, like, you suck. Like, that's not what he was doing. He was saying, God, I am hurting and I'm broken and I need you. God, please don't leave me now. Please, like, I know this is who you are. I'm standing on the truth. Even when I have people coming after to try and kill me, when I have every reason in the world to abandon you, I'm not going to abandon you. God, you're good. God, I know who you are. I'm going to sing your praises. I'm going to sing my spirit into believing who you are. Because even when I don't feel it, when I don't see it, I know this is who you are. I know this is who you are. And David had such a realness and such an authenticity to his worship, to his relationship with the Lord that I want that. So often I find myself cowering away from the Lord when I feel angry or when I have doubts or when I have questions or when I've messed up. Man, it's so dumb that the enemy tries to trick us and make us think that we have to run away from God in those moments. It's the stupidest tactic in the world, but I feel like it works every time sometimes. Like when stuff happens, I'm just like, man, like, I just want to go curl in a corner and just sulk. Just pig <laughs> party. Like, that's literally what I want to do. And God's like, what are you doing, baby girl? Like, I love you. Like, come to me. Your rest isn't going to come from another episode on Netflix. <laughs> like, it's not. Like, your peace, your joy is not going to come from you sitting in bed a little bit longer. It's going to come from waking up and getting in the scripture with me and seeing who I am. When you see who I am, it's going to change everything. Man, I love my fiance Alec, but my, my identity can never be wrapped in him. My fulfillment can never be in him. I love him, but that's not who I am. I'm a daughter first. I'm, I'm Jesus' bride first. I will never be fulfilled from that. Man, God is just so faithful that he, he's not going to let me sit in a pity party. He's not going to let me sit in my own sulking and say, oh, believe. He's going to be like, no, get up. Like, come on, like, I've got you. And I've experienced this um, in a really... Um, a really personal way, and I wasn't um, going to share this. Um, only a couple people know this just because it, I don't know why, but my friends know this, and, and Alec and my mom. Um, but the past couple months, I've been getting some pretty intense nightmares, and, um, and I'll wake up from them, and I just feel really, really fearful. And I can uh, physically feel the presence of just the of just how dark it is, and um, they they can sometimes cause me physical pain. And um, I think it was last week I woke up from one in the middle of the night, and it was so bad. I, I still live at home until I get married, but I almost went and I woke up my I almost went and woke up my mom. And so I was like, oh, I'm just scared. But man, I just felt such such an urgency on my heart not to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but 
I knew that I was preaching on this, um, and I just felt the Lord so clearly say, put on some worship. Start to worship who I am. Start to declare who I am in the middle of what's going on right now. And so I turned on my light, and I, and I took my phone, and I, and I put on um, upper room. Bless God for upper room. And I put on upper room, and I just, and I just let it. I just let it play, and every time I closed my eyes, I'd start to get um, the visions and the images again of the nightmares, and I would, and I would, and I would wake up, I'd open my eyes again and be like, God, no, you're the God of peace, you're the God of joy, you're the God of freedom, you are good, and these nightmares are not, they don't get to take my dreams, the enemy doesn't get to take my dreams, he doesn't get to take my sleep, I am watched over by the most high God, and I am cared for, and I am protected, and I am loved. He does not get my sleep or my dreams. Amen. And every time I would see those images, I would wake up and say, no, you're good. God, Holy Spirit, invade my room. Your presence is here. Your spirit is here. Not anything that isn't of you, God. And and after a couple times of doing this and just listening to worship and just and just really just saying, God, I really need you. I, I closed my eyes again, and, I, and as, an, as an image began to cross in my mind, I began to just see a white light just tearing through the image. And I just felt the Lord so specifically say, this is what worship does. It tears through the darkness. It brings my light into the, into the environment, into the situation that's going on. It is real. It is tangible. It's not just... It's not just a little thing where you just, you know, you get to sing a song and nothing happens. No, it's powerful. When you activate your spirit and say, I'm not going to stop until I feel you. I'm not going to stop until I see something, until I feel a difference. God, I'm running after you with everything that I've got, with boldness, with authenticity, and saying, God, I need you. Man, he's going to come. He comes every single time. Every single time. And I went to bed, and I haven't had a nightmare since. And you know, but man, worship is powerful. And I'm going to invite the band up. And man, I just want, I just want you guys to know, and I just felt the Lord just saying, so much for tonight that he wants you to know the power of worship and the simplicity of worship. And if you get anything from tonight, I don't want it to be that it has to be a complicated list of, oh, now you got to fix up this and you got to fix up this because worship's how we live, so i gotta, I got to fix this in my life. No, that, that's not how you worship. That's not how you get to be transformed. You get to be transformed by looking at the man Jesus. It's nothing you, it's nothing you can do within yourself. It's what the Lord can do in you. And so we're gonna go back into that song, the last song that we played. And I just love, and I love Fabric City Music came out with that second album, and I've been listening to it nonstop. Um it just Man, this song just talks about laying at the feet of Jesus. It's nothing we're doing. It's it's nothing that we're doing. It's saying, God, I just want to be in your presence. And I believe that people right now are, are at different places.
Um, maybe you need to recognize an area where you've put somebody or something on the throne of your heart and you need to take it down. You need to start worshiping the real God. You need to start worshiping who you were created to worship. Amen. And you need to reconnect with the Lord. Maybe that's where you're at. Man, some of you just need Jesus to show up. I don't know why the Lord wanted me to say this stuff about my nightmares. Maybe some of you have nightmares and you're scared to go to sleep. Maybe you, some, of, some of you have a relative and you need them to have healing. Maybe you need healing. Maybe you don't know how you're going to pay rent and you need God to show up financially. Man, I don't know what it is, but you need God to show up. You got to sit in his presence. You got to meet with the real man, Jesus. You got to be with him and say, God, I know you're real. Please, I need you to show up. I know you can bring clarity to my future. I know you can show me my next step. I trust you. And the last thing was, maybe some of you just need a raw connection with the Lord. Maybe you just need a raw moment to get in the presence of God. Sit at his feet. Maybe, maybe you need to come up literally right here to this altar. Get on your knees. Maybe you need to lay face down. Maybe you need to raise your hands for the first time. Whatever it looks like to you, you need just a raw connection with the Lord. You need to meet with a man that's on the throne. And picture that. Picture who he is. Picture what he's doing right now. That there are living creatures saying, holy, holy, holy. Just start with that. Just start with picturing who he is. So if we can get the lights lowered. We're just going to go back into worship. And I just want to pray us into that. Nothing nothing fancy. There's, there's no formula. There's no, you know, three steps of how to get into the presence of God. I just felt so strongly that everybody in here tonight just needs to meet with the man Jesus. The real man Jesus. So Holy Spirit, we give you this space, God. It's not about my words. It's not about how good the band is. It's, it's not about any of that. It's about you. God, if we made worship about anything about ourselves or about our environment, God, that's not what worship is about. Worship is about you, Jesus. God, bring us back to the heart of worship where it's just me and you doing relationship together, leaving raw, authentic, if I got situations in my life where, where, I'm, where I'm hurt or I'm angry, God, bring light. Jesus, bring light in this place. Tear light through the darkness. In Jesus' name. God, we cast out any spirit that isn't of you, God. Anything that's been after these people right now, God, we cast out in the name of Jesus. God, we want to meet with you right now. Sit at your feet and worship Jesus. Would you speak to us, God? Would you show us the man on the throne with eyes like fire and hair like wool? The one that is holy, the one that is sitting on a throne with a rainbow around it and, and, and with a sea of glass before him. Where every nation, every tribe, every tongue is going to come and worship him and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
place. Be real to us tonight, God. Tangibly, physically real, God. 